cricket Dreaming about a premiership cup We love our clubs but they never win Two flags in 100 years That shit house if you think we'll be insightful Clever or just well researched to say that's not the case We'll just go out and wing it We are two guys, one cup Hello and welcome to Two Guys, One Cup Summer Edition and Just because the footy's over doesn't mean we have to stop talking about footy My name is Charlie Clawson and this is a series we're calling My Club where I sit down with prominent supporters of other AFL clubs and try and learn a bit more about the teams that they support uh, This week we're chatting with Scott Dooley radio host, comedian You might also remember him uh, from our 2018 grand final episode where he very bravely took to the stage and allowed us to make fun of him for uh, over an hour after Collingwood's heartbreaking loss to the Eagles. Uh, anyway, Scott is a one-eyed, dyed-in-the-wool pie supporter and so we talk all things black and white. Scott, Scottford Dooley, welcome to Two Guys, One Cup. Your second appearance, uh, the last time was, of course, the infamous 2018 grand final uh so thank you for coming back on the show that was that too traumatic that that experience for you it wasn't great was it it was like it was it was it was one of those things of how do i put the because i was really excited because i i've been good friends with you will uh rosie and chamber for over a decade but it was a terror it, it was like I don't know. It, it was like being stabbed by Michael Jordan. Like it was, <laughs> it was one of those things, like, it was a horrible experience, but it was still a story I told like, oh yeah, I had to do a podcast. And all well, I think I can, I, I could get the idea behind it. I remember when the Saints lost 2009 um, and sort of walking out of that grand final kind of in shock. Like, you know, you sort of hear stories about people walking away from car accidents, you know, they're bleeding and they're like, I'm fine, I'm fine, just in this state. I could understand that being like a 24-hour process because it was such a heartbreaking grand final loss that maybe it hadn't sunk in. And so you would have been very open to suggestions. So the idea of appearing on stage, you know, well, and maybe... Have, have I told you the full... I don't know if I told the full story on the day. So no. I was... Collingwood won the prelim final by the length of the straight and I booked my flights halfway through the fourth quarter. I could have done it half time, but I didn't because Collingwood. So yeah. I, I booked the flights and I sent them to my dad and he was like, Oh my God, you're coming. Great. We're going to the footy. So we went to the, I got the, um, I got on the flight and I was on one of these ones that had Wi-Fi. So as I'm flying into uh, Melbourne, I flew straight into Melbourne, um, I got a message from my mum saying, hey, I don't want you to be alarmed, but your dad's got cancer. So in the one weekend, I'd been fleeced on these airline tickets. Collingwood's lost the grand final <laughs> by less than a kick and they, were le they led for all but... Well, I think it was 87 40 seconds. seconds. Yeah. <laughs> and my dad's got cancer. And then to top it off, I go and visit four of my old mates. These guys are going to make me feel good. They made me feel terrible in front of an audience of children. <laughs> that was my, that was like my weekend at the wow. footy. And I felt like, pre like people are like, oh, fuck 2020, bro. 
do my grand final weekend. <laughs> well, it's interesting. So part of this series is about me trying to understand a bit more about other clubs in the AFL. Like as a diehard One-Eyed Saint supporter, I know my club inside and out, but I'm really fascinated and I'm always interested to talk to other supporters about their clubs. And the one thing I'd, I'd say about you is that, you know, as a Collingwood supporter and maybe – I'm wrong about this, but Collingwood has this kind of image of being the super powerful Manchester United of the AFL, like arrogant, strong. But you, as a Collingwood supporter, are so pessimistic. Oh, like you are yeah, so, you've got such low yeah. self-esteem. Like I don't think I've ever seen you fully celebrate your victories, never. let alone no, the, no, the, never. the losses. Now, is that unique to Scott Dooley or would you say that is predominant amongst most Collingwood supporters? I think, no, I think it's unique. Because, so um, friends of the show, Merrick Watts and Peter Hellier are big Collingwood guys. And we will talk to each other. So if, if, if I'm the pessimist, Merrick yeah. is the ultimate optimist and Hellier is right in the middle. He, he's, yeah. he's, he's Geneva. A realist. Yeah, and he's a realist. Merrick's like, mate, I can't see us losing a game this season. I can't. Like, honestly, honestly, even after a loss, he'll be like, that's the last. Like, that's good. I'm glad we had that. Got that out of our system. Whereas yeah. I will be, you know, we're, we're up by 15 goals with 10 minutes to go. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I probably wouldn't have taken penalty. <laughs> 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 um, but I, I, no, I think it's, I'm surprised that any Collingwood supporter can have any optimism whatsoever when you if you were born i was born in 1980 every single story my father's told is oh fucking wayne harms and kevin bartlett and ted hop i knew opposition players better than i knew collingwood players and they were guys that had just done amazing things in grand finals which Mm. is and i i was i was thinking about you the other day they i've got this app here i live in america and i've got this app where i can watch fox footy and they had the 97 grand final on. Mm. And, you know, and, and there were so many moments in that game, like Aussie's run and, and Barry. Yeah. I don't want to bring it up. But one of the things that I was like, oh, I've got to talk to, I, I've got to talk to Clawson. <laughs> Jason Heatley kicked 73 goals that year. Yeah. He had, a, he had one of the best three years uh, of, of any uh, forward to ever play the game. He was a dead-eyed dick. It's like 73 goals, but also something like 27 behinds, like an insane Yeah, that's right. Goal yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then he fell off a cliff and he ended up going at like, I want to say he ended up in like Warrnambool doing something eventually. Something like that. He came from WA. I know that much, but... Yeah, that was uh, that was a lightning in the bottle kind of era for St Kilda. The fact that, look, I mean, we every episode I've done is I try not to talk about St Kilda too much, <laughs> but it generally gets drawn out of me. But you know, in terms of missed opportunities, like the '97 Grand Final, 2009, 2010, before the replay, like St Kilda has been in the box seat in any one, in every one of these Grand Finals and just not been able to close the deal. And I think that's something that you can relate to, right? Like you're talking about the era that you were born into and your father probably more specifically, which was the sort of birth of the Collie Wobbles, right? He went to every grand final from 64, except for 90, (laughs) right? Which was, it was 10 or or 11 losing grand finals. Mm. He never saw them. And so when 1990 came around, he was like, we're not going. I'm not, I can't put myself through it. And they... They obviously won. 
Um, there's a weird thing if you go to a grand final. So I went to uh, 2002 and three. 2002, they were both, both losses to Brisbane. 2003, Collingwood lost that game before they'd ever run on the ground because um, I want to say Rocker got suspended and they had to play cloak forward. It was just, it just really, the whole thing just felt a bit. The, the year before was, that was the team. Like it was, mm. they were just a bunch of no names and Nathan Buckley. They were yeah. really tough. They got within seven points and it was just an absolute, it was really heartbreaking. In a perverse way, I kind of was really glad that happened because I felt now I was a part of it because all these stories before that had been, oh, we should never have lost in 1970 and Ted Hopkins came on and in the 77, Ray Shaw was... so. There, and, and there's always these pinpoint moments in Collingwood history and Collingwood supporters will know 77, there was a, a, a drawn grand final and then a replay. Collingwood was up by the length of the straight. And apparently the word Ray Shaw was going around, fuck it, we've got it, game over, blah, 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 and just really, I know it's surprising to think of a Shaw being quite yappy. <laughs> <laughs> it was a different time. And, yeah. and apparently, you know, the story goes, North Melbourne kind of gritted their teeth. And, but I was kind of glad. Shin bonus but, spirit, mate. I believe it's called the shin bonus spirit. Shin bonus. Don't dismiss it. <laughs> they didn't just grit their teeth. They dug deep. They, dug. And they took a little whiff of the Shinbona spirit. So, so can I? Uh, actually, I can't tell it, sorry. Uh, but <laughs> I, <laughs> I'll tell you after. It's really okay, good. I, so I was kind of glad to be a part of that. And I, I don't know. I, I have this feeling of grand finals. I don't know if you, you've got it too, but it's where you kind of, see supporters in a different light because it's so so you were saying about that shock thing after 2003 i remember standing outside the ponsford stand and being like shell shocked and this guy came up to me and he goes mate just take this and he gave me a wristband to the um what's it called the center square or it's some corporate Uh, yeah 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 yeah, i can remember what it's called september club september club or whatever it was it was down down at punt road and And it was one of those moments where there's a lot of, there's a really weird feeling outside the MCG after a grand final. There's this weird camaraderie between both mm. sets of supporters where we yeah. think, and, and like you and I are a classic example of this is I've never played AFL football. I never will play AFL football. <laughs> but after Collingwood has a big win or a loss, I start fielding questions like I'm Buckley in a press well, conference. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel like uh, as I, amongst my group of friends, I am the most prominent St Kilda supporter. Like I can only imagine what Eric Banner has to put up with or Shane Warne. <laughs> you know, like, but like uh, the, the questions come through to me, like after the uh, semi-final win this year, like I had so many people congratulating me. Like I had- I congratulated you. I, I sent you a result. tweet. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I, you, you've kind of answered my question with y- your dad. So I assume that's how you got into Collingwood. It was never a choice. You just you were born into a Collingwood family. No, 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 no never a choice. So my, all of my family, with the exception of my father oh, and I, are right. Essendon supporters, which makes Anzac Day a really big yeah. day for our family. Just for the football game, oh. for no other reason. And, 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 you know, and, also, and also our glorious death, our glorious death. But all but, um, So... 
Yeah, so so Collingwood was was his thing, and he barracks with Collingwood. So he's from Mildura, and he went to uh, Melbourne for an orthodontist appointment. His dad was a dentist, sent him to Melbourne to go to the orthodontist, stayed with his uncle, moved back to Collingwood, took him to Victoria Park to see mm. against St Kilda and fell in love, barrack for Collingwood. So his brothers both barrack, his brothers barrack for Essendon because my grandfather was the president of the Sunraiser Football Club, which was a feeding um, zone for the Bombers. And then my other uncle barracks for the cats, but we don't talk about him. <laughs> and so being a kid growing up, were you, uh, like, when do you, when do you remember first becoming aware? Was it like going to a game or was it just watching it on TV? Like what was your interest in football? So my interest in football, well, I mean, you know what it's like, it's always bubbling. Like there's no, I, I, the first game I remember going to was the first ever night game, which was Collingwood North in mm. 84 or five, six or whatever. Uh, and I fell asleep and I was told in a car on the way home that we won. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll never forget that time. <laughs> well, I seem to remember my dad winning me over by uh like he was an mcc member and so we'd go to the football and he would just like give me five bucks to get a pie and donuts and that was all like that was initially my interest of getting into football was great it's a pie and donut day but then i remember seeing is he, is he a st kilda man yeah so he was my dad was actually born in new south wales came down to melbourne when he was like 10 and started at a high school and was told he had to pick a team and so he just picked the team that was geographically closest to where he was living at the time and then doomed his entire family to a lifetime of disappointment. I was going to say, you could have backed for Hawthorne. You could have been Hawthorne, so I know. I, I would have been so much happier. Hawthorne or Geelong or Pies or Carlton, any, I'll take anything. I'll take anything. Um, but yeah, so that was his way of, of getting me to the football. But then I remember being on the boundary line and I would have been like eight or something and seeing Greg Burns get into a punch up with someone. And I just was like transfixed. He just looked enormous and in the red, white and black and the blonde hair and stuff. And then, of course, there was Trevor Barker, who looked like a superhero and played like a superhero. So, so you thought Barker played, did you? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we used to go to Moorabbin all the time and... Um, How good was I, he? Like, because there's very there's scant footage of him. There's like the two marks that he took at Moorabbin that they they're okay, but they're not like Jezza. No, he well, he was undersized. Like he was he he was a he was a small halfback flank. But I would say he like heard because heard looked small. Mm. Was he that yeah. kind of a player? What was he? What no, was he? he was more of like an, an an amazing sort of intercept rebound defender, more like a Jeremy Howe type. Doesn't have that that kind of leap, but he was incredibly skilled and incredibly courageous. And you got to remember the teams he was playing in were terrible, like absolutely terrible. For him to kind of like actually do as well as he did and have the statistics he did uh, speaks volumes because he just you know was playing with guys who would miss targets regularly, you know, or he'd have to play. Is that Cunningham era. Yeah. Remember they had, wasn't there some Joffa. psycho named yeah, Cunningham? Yeah, Cunningham. But again, Scott, we're not talking about St Kilda. I mean, that's my regular. Sorry. Sorry. Do, you, do, you, do you know what it is? And this is the thing that happened to me. After, and I, again, I don't want to bring up St Kilda, I don't want to bring up grand finals, but after 2010, mm. some of my close friends barracked for St Kilda. And I felt like 
it's it's after grand finals you feel a bit like a missionary in a movie who learns an important lesson <laughs> that despite the color of the skin we're all the same like it was it was a bit like i did feel like the guy that had after the rape the replay one of, the draw after after the draw yeah. it was after the draw because it was like i was the missionary who had seen the villagers daughter drown and they mourned her. I was like, you know the what? Human. I love I I love my daughter. Maybe we're not that different. Yeah. <laughs> and then obviously the next week we fucking pantsed it, so I don't give a shit. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, there, there are those kind of Easy to be magnanimous when you look back and you actually have a win in the win column, you know. I do remember being locked into an intense because uh, I, I, I had to scam to get my ticket to the 2010 Grand Final and Charlie Pickering actually finally organised me one through Channel 10, his connections at 10. But I was sitting right The way you said the... that then was like, Charlie Pickering finally organised, like, <laughs> what a fucking <laughs> as in As in, that was my final, because I had, I had been, I'd run through every media contact I had and then Charlie thankfully came to the party. It was a, re it was a really big Grand Final, and people forget this because... St Kilda were red hots. So there was like, you've got to lose one to win yeah. one. Collingwood hadn't been in a grand final for 20 years. Yeah. It was like it was a drought, right? It was just a collision course. Two Melbourne clubs. Yeah. So, yeah. And I was sitting like deep in enemy territory in the tier above the Collingwood cheer squad, surrounded by Collingwood supporters. And I think I. Behind the goals yeah, there. Yeah. And the so I think I've told this story yeah, like yeah. a million times. But when Goddard took that mark to put us in front, I thought there was only th two or three minutes to go. And I thought we had it. And I was like, there going, yeah. And I had a friend tugging on my T-shirt saying, seven minutes, seven minutes. And I was like, oh, no, oh, no. And I got into this pitched battle with this dude sitting next to me. Like, we were really going at each other. I get When you say next to you, do you mean literally the seat next to you? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, across, oh, across the aisle. Oh, cool. That's no, no, so we were separated by the stairs across the aisle. Literally, like, crossing the aisle. And we were, like, an engaged war of words. Nothing kind of personal or anything, but just, like, barracking hard for our teams. And then the draw happened, and he came over and hugged me. And it was, like you said, we're not so different, you and I. It was like that. It was such a weird... No one knew what to do. It was so weird. And, and, and that was the thing is, after the replay, there was, like... I remember thinking, there but for the bounce of the ball, go I. <laughs> like, it was... Yeah. So I want to go back again. So uh, as a childhood, as a young Pies supporter, who was the, who was your hero? Who was your Trevor Barker? Craig Kelly. Craig Kelly, really? Not Dacos? I loved Craig Kelly. For the same reason you like the guy, the, I, I saw him. So I, punching I on. <laughs> was it with I saw him punching on. He, he knocked out Craig Williams. Oh. He knocked out Craig Williams. And I remember thinking that was just like, I, I, there was something about, the other one that I really loved when I was a bit younger, so I would have been, 10, 9 or 10, when he first came to Collingwood, was Tony Francis. Ah, yeah. And, played for, and he... Well, played for St Kilda in the end, Tony Francis. We, in, he finished in St Kilda in uh, the 99, I want to say he ended up there. So, But the reason I loved... So Tony Francis was from Norwood, I want to say. He was playing the SANFL and he came to Collingwood and in his first game for Collingwood, he got... Suspended for six weeks for, for kicking. kicking so much in the head. That was like that was all I knew about Tony Francis, and it wasn't. It's funny because if you think about it by today, it was such a innocuous little foot tap. Like it wasn't a full on kick. I mean, you see Tom Lynch do worse things every week. <laughs> <If you're> not... <laughs>
But yeah, Tony Francis, that's a really interesting one. Did you like, were there certain positions on the ground that you were more like drawn to? Like, was it forwards or midfielders or anything like that? I liked a halfback flanker, like a runner. Right. You know, like, I, 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 I like those guys. But really, I liked those tough kind of Collingwood. That, that was always the thing about the, that I was always told about Collingwood. It's a Collingwood six-footer. It's a, you know, Tony Shaw was one of those guys who, you know, he, he didn't look at footballers' bootlaces, but he still got a game. And then with what little he had, he just made it work. Yeah, and and I really like those guys. Tony Francis was by no means an athletic gift. Yeah, um, didn't he win? Craig, but didn't, Craig Kelly was the big guy. Wasn't he hmm? a Gary medalist or something? He came. I remember because he was the number one. Was he number oh, he one was draft fake. pick or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he he was he was well known, and it, and um, there were a couple. There was another one from Norway. It's uh, Scott Burns, right? Yeah, who came over. It was another guy who was just tough, and I and you, Gavin Brown. I really love oh, like yeah. those kind of quiet achieve but you've got to bear in mind as well is for most of the night so 1990 was you know obviously a premiership but for the rest of the night it's Collingwood sucked like Collingwood was terrible right the Tony, Tony Shaw coach from uh I want to say 96 to 99 because Malthouse took over in 2000 like in that period we didn't win a game in June mm. like you know there were like there were all these weird little works like the first wooden spoon was in that like Collingwood wasn't good they didn't have good players there was a lot of like dead dead wood I believe is the technical term a lot of dead wood got to clear the list yeah yeah there was always the question but it got to the point with Tony Shaw where it was like well he's not a good coach and he doesn't have the cattle like it's normally one or the other <laughs> um yeah. but we'd always be I remember in that time that was when Buckley was like shit hot and we'd always beat North Melbourne. When North Melbourne mm. were the team that Collingwood would always beat North. And then that would, you know, and then the first thing that Collingwood would do, would, I will extend Tony Shaw's contract. Yeah. <laughs> well, who was your president at the time? Who was the president? Um... McAllister. Yeah, McAllister, that's right. Who, uh, after the Nicky Winmar incident at Victoria Park. Oh, mate, he, he, he's too crazy for Clive Palmer. <laughs> like, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be like, one nation be like, oh, we don't know about the stuff you've been saying. But so. the funny thing is, like, it's not that long ago. Like, it feels like a long time ago, but it really isn't that long ago to have those kind of influences and those attitudes at a football club. And I guess that's one of the other things I wanted to talk about is that knowing you and your personality type and you are kind of like anti-authority, like how does it gel with you barracking for a team that is so much the establishment, you know, like it's yeah. almost like they are the Disney or the McDonald's of the AFL. Like uh, I, it's funny. I really like this Collingwood team and I like Nathan Buckley as a coach. And I think he's done, I mean, this trade period, we'll get to that. Been, I was going to say, don't get attached. <laughs> it's a real head spin, but I, I feel like in the last few years, there's been a lot to like about Collingwood, but prior to mm. that, it was easy as an outsider or an opposition supporter just to lump Collingwood in as this faceless monolith that you can hate because their president is the most overexposed media personality because they have so many supporters and they just buy, they buy players and blah, blah, blah. So how do you square that as a supporter? Well, so there's a number of ways you do it. So one, one of the things that you say is, well, you know why they hate us? is because we won four flags in the 30s and people were told that Collingwood's fucked and that's why you don't like Collingwood. 
Uh, there's also the thing that we go, well, Tony Francis, you know, there's always a couple of guys you can, you can cling on to. And then the main thing that we have is, well, fuck it. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, that's our main thing. All right, fuck it. You you don't like us. And and people don't like Collingwood for myriad reasons. Like you said, like some people say, oh, they're the McDonald's of the AFL. Other people will say, you know, they're the thugs that should all be in jail and, um, I mean, it's hilarious that that stereotype of the toothless Collingwood supporters. It's like, this is a multi-million dollar organisation, you know what I mean? Sure, like some supporters probably do come from a lower, lower socioeconomic background, but let's not kid ourselves. Oh, mate, the last Collingwood supporters lunch I went to was a flower drop. <laughs> like, miss me with that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was hard to weigh up. Who we were... out of the Lexus Centre. What are you talking about? I mean, I had about? to find a prominent supporter to bring on this show, and it was a choice between you, Rob Lowe, or John Travolta. I mean... <laughs> remember, do you remember that? Like, come on. Like, talk, like I will give you the selling yourself when Rob Lowe sang this club song. Amazing. Like, man, after the grand final last year, Marlon Pickett was lucky to get in. Like, we got like, Rob Lowe! Come in. And this was pre-Parks and Recreation. This was like Wayne's World 2. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. What was he there to promote? Like, I can understand, like, John Travolta, Qantas, you know, major sponsor or whatever. But, like, what was Rob Lowe attached to at the time? Was it was it his, like, uh, uh, little scene sex tape? <laughs> Is that what he was <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. It was his cameo on Thank You for Smoking. <laughs> he was doing press. <laughs> He, Richard Wilkins had asked him if he was enjoying Australia and then he had all this free time. That was the, all the interviews that he did. Yeah, I, I think that, that that Collingwood image of, um, you know, being this kind of like... that that If you ever went to Victoria Park like I did in the late 80s and early 90s, like that image is... That was a scary, rough place. Was it, was it actually frightening? I never went there for a Maybe, day. Only, not necessarily... Like, you know, I was, you know, only young. So it wasn't like a threat of violence, but it was more just the tangible, the atmosphere of when you get 30,000 people in a tight and closed space, you know, and 90% of them want one thing and then an umpire makes a decision that goes the other way or a player, you know, makes a stand and lifts his jumper. Like, you know, that's really... Were you there that day? No, I wasn't there that day. I was was at my, my brother. It was my brother's bloody wording. Had to get married that day. But I was listening on the radio and I remember... I can't, it must have been the could have been champions or something, but I remember listening to, uh, they they had this little segment or something on whatever radio station it was where they'd get a support. Sorry, sorry, I just want to pick up. You haven't got the tranny in the... Uh, <laughs> in my brother's wedding. <laughs> no. <laughs> Your brother's wedding. No, I can't remember. I think I was sneaking off to the car to check the score though because it was such a big game. And I remember um, listening to the radio and this Collingwood supporter had done, they would get like fans to do like a game preview and this guy getting on this Collingwood supporter and he was every, he sounded like every cliche about every Collingwood supporter. He was super arrogant. He predicted that Sav Rocker would kick six goals, that St Kilda would get beaten by 50 points. And it really, it was like classic <laughs> WWE, like heel turn. Like it really put the wind up me. And so I'm going to tell you, yeah, Gene, exactly. Sav Rocker, you got to watch him, baby. He's mean <laughs> and he's ready. And so when we actually won that game it's like of all the games I wish I had actually been there in person but I had been to plenty of other games and it it just felt like a completely hostile environment but I would also argue that if you went to Moorabbin 
at the same period of time and you were an opposition supporter, it might have felt the same, like if you were near the animal enclosure. Right. I mean, I was a Saint supporter at Moorabbin as a kid and I would regularly get like cigarettes on the back of my head and, you know, like seeing beer cans. Bruce, yeah. <laughs> beer cans go flying. I mean, a lot of people miss that suburban era of football. I don't. As soon as they went super professional and, and moved all the teams to like bigger stadiums, I'm like, fucking great. If I don't have to stand on yeah, a slab yeah. to see the footy anymore, I think that's a win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can take my kids. So did you never go to Victoria Park? <laughs> no, no. I, I went there. I've seen the VFL side play there and I went there a couple of times. But no, I never, never, never saw Collingwood play. Because they left, I want to say 97 was the last game at Vic Park. Mm. And, and I was in I was in Sydney at that stage, so um, no, I, I never went. I remember my dad told, told this story where he was the night manager at the Southern Cross Hotel, and, and what they do is, and he was a big Collingwood guy, and and would go up to the social club and blah blah blah. And anyway, this this one day he was he was at the football, and someone had got their wires crossed, and said. Hey, that's the general manager of the Southern Cross Hotel. And and for people that don't know, the Southern Cross Hotel at this time was the place to be. It was like Sinatra stayed there, it was where the Beatles were, it was like the after party for the you know, all the awards nights, logies and stuff like that. It, it, if you won the Melbourne Cup, you went back to the Southern Cross. That kind of stuff. So we go, oh shit, that's the general manager. So at three quarter time, they've said, um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, would you please put your hands together? for the general manager of the Southern Cross Hotel, Malcolm Dooley. And he's looked around and one of his mates is stitched in. <laughs> and the crown announcers made this thing and he had to stand up and, and people clapped Dooley. <laughs> and he was there and, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, they had it. And I, I want to say he was like the number one ticket holder, not my dad, but this guy. Mm. And they, they kind of made this big deal about it. Yeah. So did you ever get to see uh, Peter Dacos play live? I saw Dakes uh, once at the end. Yeah. 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 Not, I not mean, it, the, people uh, forget. Like, it, it, it's crazy to think. But prior to Peter Dacos, goal kicking was very, you know, it was very vanilla. And then what he started to do with the ball, which is so now commonplace, like you never see a player use their opposite foot anymore. It's just like all check side, all dribble kicks and everything like that. But I mean, it's in the same way that when you saw Michael Jordan, you know, do that dunk from like, you know, the free throw line and you're like, what am I watching? Like your brain couldn't even process. I remember seeing, was it the goal against West Coast in that final? West Coast in the, yeah. Wave, where he's wave, running that, towards that, that, the boundary I, I line. Shouldn't have happened. Like it doesn't make the ball was spinning in the wrong direction. Like I remember yeah. seeing that as a kid, and me and my friends just being like screaming because it's like it's like it was like seeing Michael Jackson's moonwalk for the first time. You're like, how is that physically possible? That doesn't make any sense. And then the very next day, going out with the balls, and all of us trying to recreate what he did. And it's like I I, I'm, I I feel like that Dykes doesn't get enough credit for being the pioneer of you know that kind of trick kick. And 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 the thing that anyone that plays with him goes, oh no, he he practiced that. He knew what to do. The the idea of having the ball spin one way, knowing that it's going to bounce at a right angle in the opposite direction, that was the guy that did that, which is such a staple of football now the other thing that he gets forgotten about is he was a really long kick yeah and and he would really and he and and he'd get onto a barrel you know every other week 
And and he was really, really accurate. Well, he that. was in the uh, era of Ablett, Lockett and Dunstall and he held his own. Like, that's the crazy thing is what he started off as like a winger, essentially. Or, or I think he picked 100 game. goals one year. Yeah, yeah. yeah he played, they started him on the wing. But, I mean, he, you got to bear in mind, he started in the 70s. Like, he played in a lot of those um, those grand final sides. Yeah, and he also had really long torso but really stumpy legs <laughs> like he had a really strange yeah 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 strange kind yeah. of build so like one of my favorite things about the afl is the the weird and wonderful body types that can be exceptional footballers like will likes to point out all the time that you know lee matthews probably the greatest ever player you know looks like super mario <laughs> it's just this short little <laughs> nugget of a guy would not look like an athlete in any other sport but for uh for afl like he was just perfectly perfectly manufactured for that particular Who was the bloke that I, 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 one thing I do miss is like Stephen Ziller. Oh yeah. Like Stephen Ziller, he looked like he had a hangover. Every time <laughs> I saw him, like, like he had those like Puffy dark eyes. eyes. <laughs> and like he was wearing long sleeves because it was, oh fuck, it looks cold. Yeah. Like, like he'd go out, he'd pick up 30 touches. <laughs> yeah, he was well, he was another one of those Jason Heatley type players that came along in that period where we had like a run. We had a run where we had a bunch of really good players. That's right, he was just in Kilda. Yeah, and then he went to Richmond. Yeah. yeah. Richmond, yeah. So you've I've So you mentioned uh, Craig Kelly as being he was like your childhood hero. Now, mm. since then there's been a bunch of amazing footballers. Is there one player that you think now is like your all-time favorite? Oh. That's a So, that's a Can, top, can you give me I, a top 3? Well, okay. In not Buckley. Or be like Bucks and give me your top 5. Is Bucks still doing those top the top 5 lists? Bucks is trying to avoid any lists yeah, right. to do with lists. Yeah. He doesn't want to talk about lists. He hates lists. Lists are scary. Yeah. Santa Claus can check any list twice except for the Collingwood one because it's fucked. Um, so favourite, yeah, I was always one of those guys that loved like, you know, like Glenn Freeborn. He'd come and play like two years and just did a job and was just like Paul Curia. God, he was a good footballer. And he was a good, like, man, he, he picked up 40 touches in a final and had, like, 19 tackles. Like, he was, the, he, he was the guy that pioneered grabbing the guy's hand in a tackle to get the hold in the ball. Like, those sorts of dudes. Um, but Buckley, Buckley was so good. you got to bear in mm. mind, like, Buckley, Buckley was in a bad team. It was like Buckley mm. and Scott Burns. I loved Scott Burns. He was, mm. I thought he was really just... Super tough, really underrated. Um, Swanee, like it's a bit difficult now because so there, there came this period where I inadvertently kind of became mates with a bunch of Collingwood footballers, um, which now I've kind of aged out of that. But there was a time when we were all around the same age and I've, I've stayed friends with quite a few of them. So, you know, Dane Swan, he was a really good footballer. Like he, he didn't look... He was just one of those guys. He looked like he was on a treadmill. He but he got the ball. He was a very good kick. He's a really underrated kick. Um, do you do you do this thing that I do? Like whenever I have to come up with a passcode for like my iPad or a pin number or whatever, I always like tick, pick my favorite footballers. Like it's always a combination of like. I mean, I don't want to say because people start guessing what my pin number is. <laughs> but, but like, there's at least. 
half a dozen Saints players over the last 20 years that I'll use a combination of their numbers. And I keep saying to Jem, like when she's like, oh, what's the passcode for your iPad? I'm like, Nick Revolt, Justin Kajitsky. Oh, <laughs> <he> just? <laughs> <laughs> just remember I, that. And she's like, I'll I, never remember that. Oh, well, I can say this because no one's going to no one. If, if you're in Brooklyn, New York, and you find out where I live and what our, our password for our internet is Collingwood 90. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife who's from New Zealand. So one of my favorite moments, so my wife's from New Zealand. She didn't know football existed until I met her. Uh, yeah. She spent her whole life. She lived in New Zealand. And then when she was 17, moved to um Thailand and India and Paris and blah, blah. She's lived, she hasn't been back in, she's never been to Australia really. And I remember being, Dane, Dane Swan was at our place here in New York and watching a Brownlow medalist trying to explain what football is. <laughs> to <laughs> to some, a largely and, disinterested. And he's got, he's got, he's got wine glasses and salt shakers. <laughs> he goes, okay, so these are the goals. She goes, wait, but there's, Oh, wait, what, what do you mean? Oh, okay, yeah. you get a <laughs> My favorite thing to do is try and explain AFLs, particularly to Americans as well. Like Dave Anthony, um, you know, I got him into AFL. He's a GWS supporter now. From the, I remember the Anthony it, All-Stars. What? From Dave, the Dave Anthony, Anthony All-Stars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember explaining to him, taking to a game, and uh, there was a deliberate out-of-bounds decision. And him saying, so what's going on here? And I said, well, the umpires decided that uh, the player intentionally took it out of bounds. And he's like, well, how is he judging intent? How does he know the player didn't just make a mistake? And I said, well, Dave, and he's going, wait a minute, in a court of law, it takes weeks to use prove intent. And you're telling me you have a game where an umpire is just going to call like uh, deliberate intent with, with absolutely no cross-examination of the witness? quite would I, I would like that if we brought out a little judge oh yeah right so you think like we'll go to the ark and we can actually like you know bring witnesses to the stand I'm trying to think of famous like lawyer footballers that could represent Stephen newport uh former melbourne and st kilda sentiment Stephen newport is a is a lawyer i mean always i mean you didn't have to go far just go to melbourne how many, <laughs> melbourne, how, yeah. many how many do we have <laughs> Yeah, that'd be interesting. If then, if then you had to represent, you had thirty seconds to make your case to Judge Dwayne Russell. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, of all the Collingwood players that have, have uh, passed through the door, is there any one that you think is the most enigmatic? Was there, or who's been the biggest cult uh, hero? Athos Hyrostarkas. Who? Athos Hyrostarkas. I don't know who it is. Ten games in the nine. Man. He, yeah, yeah. So, so that was that was a real. That's a deep cut. Yeah, um, this is great. It's what I want. There were guys like, man, like like Collingwood people remember. There was a dude called Damian Adkins who played in the night. Yes, like, was he, he the guy who played like a bunch of? Was a, a, like he was really good for like a handful of games. Never wore a mouth guard. Was terrifying. Like, but a little guy. He ended up. I think he ended up at West Coast. Yeah. He's a Perth boy. I think he's um, Yeah, anyway. But those, those sorts of dudes would, would come through and you like them. I'm trying to think um, more recently. The enigmatic, those, yeah, those sorts. I mean, of- I guess Swanee was a bit of an enigma in a way, wasn't he? Swanee was definitely an enigma. But he was our guy. Like, he looked like if, if, if you saw Swanee 
in the cheer squad or any yeah. like he was just it, that was it that's the thing about Collingwood is that like there is that us first them which you were getting at before is that if you if we think you're one of us you're one of us forever like yeah there is, there is. So, by the same token, of- if a player like, for instance, if a Jack Watts type gets drafted to Collingwood, you know, who very clearly does is not one of us. Do you think it's harder for like a private schoolboy to be accepted? By the Collingwood faithful? As a private schoolboy, I would like to say, Charlie. <laughs> um, because yeah, I know it's, it's I ridiculous so. because private schools are like one of the biggest farms for AFL players that, going that's around. That's been one of the big shifts in the last kind of 20 years in footy is private schools have been the real, I, and I don't want to, you know, BT voice, but football factory. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I... Look, I don't know. at the end of the day, if you get a kick, all's mm. forgiven. That's yeah, the words of you know. But I do feel like there are there are certain like Kevin Sheedy was very famous for you know being very uh, having his working class roots, his bias against players like James Hurd. You know, he was Sheedy mm. always preferred the more kind of blue collar, and because Collingwood has that reputation, I'm just wondering if like you're right, Swanee does seem to epitomise Collingwood. You know, he's one of those – in the same way that Matthew Richardson sort of epitomises Richmond to a point, well, up until five years ago. Yeah, I was going to say that's it. <laughs> but I guess, like, I mean, Scott Pendlebury and 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 Nathan Buckley, they're both kind of incredibly skillful, professional, articulate athletes. So maybe they kind of buck the trend, no pun intended. Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good point. I mean, I think the whole league changed as well. Those yeah. – those, those – Things that Characters. we cling to. Well, what were they called? The Brat Pack when it was like A Dids. The Rat, the rat Pack. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, the Rat Pack. Dids, uh, Heath Shaw for a minute, Swanee, Taz, um, right. Ben Johnson. Uh, I'm trying to think who else was in the Rat Pack. I said Diet. Um, I mean, that's enough. Of that. that's, that's a pretty big Rat Pack. <laughs> Mate, I'll tell you, like, I was lucky enough to have a couple of nights out with the Rat Pack. It was that was good nights. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously fun. <laughs> um, but I'm trying to think though. Yeah, those kinds of guys. It, it, it's also like every club has those dudes. It's just when you're at Collingwood, it's the spotlights on you. Yes, and there's stuff that happens at North Melbourne and Melbourne and St Kilda. Although I'm, it felt like St Kilda after 2010 could not get out of the papers. There was always something happening, you know, off field that seemed to derail everything. Yeah. Um, but Collingwood, I get, it seems to take it in its stride. That's the other thing. Maybe that is the benefit of being such a big club is you're used to the scrutiny. Whereas I think after St Kilda lost two grand finals in a row, then there was the schoolgirl scandal and the nude photos and all that kind of stuff. You got the sense that the players, it was getting to the players that mentally they were kind of, kind of shot. Whereas, because they were, yeah, and and because it came out of nowhere, it was like I remember I remember reading this thing. Um, it was Kurt Cobain said it. It was after Nevermind had broken, yeah. and then he goes, he, he the pies he uh, took it in 1990, and I really I'm I'm, I'm picking for the flag in '91. Is that the, is that the Kurt Cobain? <laughs> that was Kurt Cobain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's, the midfield's really solid. Uh. <laughs> Kurt, 
I reckon we're one rebound defender away from him. <laughs> but he said it was after Nevermind had broken and they were the biggest thing in the world, Nirvana. And and he said, someone said, what's it like being in the biggest band in the world? He said, it's like being outed publicly as a Nazi pedophile. And the first the the first realization you have of that is when a rock flies through your window and wakes you up and he was like he was like it just it just comes out of nowhere and i feel like that's kind of what happened with collingwood you're there and you you walk in you're like all right this is collingwood not hollywood that's one of the first lessons they teach these new guys Mm. whereas when you start winning and you're in the premiership and you're in that in that kind of and, and it was also for that side a perfect storm of you also had Ricky Nixon there, you know, you had these external influences, what was going on with the, you know, the powers that be at the club were kind of asleep at the wheel. It Mm. turns out, um, probably not the best analogy, but (laughs) no, but I guess the Collingwood thing though, it does feel like, and we can get to modern day Collingwood now. Um, you know, uh, I felt like Buckley when, you know, was it three years ago he was under all that pressure and, you know, it felt like every, anecdotally, every Collingwood supporter I spoke to wanted him gone. Like people were over Nathan Buckley and then he seemed to have that complete attitude change. Grew the beard. I mean, yeah, grew the beard, started meditating, going to Luke Darcy's Bali retreats and all that kind of stuff and stopped doing his top five lists. Like, you know, he always struck me as this, you know, uh, uber-driven, super-professional, wanted to lift everyone to his standards rather than having to adapt to different people's needs, you know. Yeah. And, you know, that was probably um, the way that he was coached and the way, and what he responded to. But well, I changed really... that, right? Yeah, yeah, the entourage, uh, the entourage philosophy where it's like, we're all best friends and everything is always going to work out yeah, for exactly. us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I think that, that, that shift probably, um, yeah, that was quite influential. But I do also think that I love the I love Buck, the way uh, Buckley speaks in the media. And, you know, when Robbo was having a go at him at the start of the year for, you know, um, if he doesn't win a premiership, he's, a, you know, he's failed as a coach or whatever. And him coming out and saying, well, look, you know, life is more than just your job. You know, these are the things that I do for a living. But, you know, I've got a happy family life. I'm healthy. Like, I, I define myself. And I'm like, to me that seems very unfootball coach and very un Collingwood and my, very un what I thought of Nathan. Do you, want, do you want me to make it really football coach and really Collingwood? Yeah. He knows that dude. On. And he was saying all the things that that cat will never have health, family, success. Oh, yeah, right. So <laughs> like, you reckon he was at, just you like, look at it from that angle. Games. It's not that magnanimous, is it? <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah, I guess the Nathan Buckley said, look, you know, I haven't won a premiership, but I'm also not a slobbering alcoholic journalist uh, <laughs> drooling over my keyboard all tonight, yeah. crying myself to sleep in an empty Exactly, bed. yeah. And Jared Waitley <laughs> likes me, so here we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right, now that you put it like that. Um, no, but, I, but I, yeah. I, do, no, I, I do agree. I thought that was that was really and, – and he's been very open about, about that shit. Well, maybe – and maybe this is uh, too much of a stretch, but – what sums up the new Collingwood for me is a player that I had absolutely no interest in who now I just think is great, which is Mason Cox. Like when Mason Cox started getting a bit kind of vocal on social media and starting to float these opinions and getting this sense of humor, mm. 
And he's also got this great perspective. Like you're talking before about, you know, coming to a big club like Collingwood, you're immediately in the spotlight. So maybe the players are a bit more, um, I don't know, uh, uh, insulated or, or, or they've got a thicker skin for that kind of scrutiny. For someone like him to come from another country, learn a completely different sport, but then also be plugged into the most like rabid fan base. Mm. To st- and, and, you know, and he's had those couple of amazing finals, but then a lot of the time he just cops shit from even his own supporters. But the way he's able to kind of navigate that, I think is really, really admirable and impressive. And I really look forward to sort of interviews with Mason Cox and hearing his take, because I think what a unique perspective to be both an insider and outsider yeah. in yeah. the biggest club in Australia. Yeah, we, we had him on. So Lemo and I, when the football was off, Lemo and I did a thing called the Monday Wrap, which is where we said the football season was still going. And we came up with scores and storylines and we had a few guests on and one of them was Mason Cox. And I was really struck by that. Like he immediately got, like it, it was that insider-outsider thing of he completely understood that people like you and I exist, yeah. but he also understood that people like you and I realise how stupid it is, <laughs> what it is. Yeah, he doesn't seem to take it too no, seriously. No, no, he doesn't. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He has yeah. a good sense he's, of humour yeah. about it. He's, uh, yeah, he's, he's a really curious, um, he's a really curious one. I wonder if there will be more Americans. Like there's 300 million people here. There's a college sport thing. If you don't make it to the leagues, like you can come and make <clears throat> well, I asked this question of a few people. Do you think it is an endorsement or an indictment on our game that a professional athlete who has no background in our sport, indictment. you think it's an indictment? No, I, I'm an indictment. Yeah, I, I, I and and it, it's it's a big it's a big reason why I I really balk at the idea of making these little changes to the game because I feel it's a thin edge of the wedge and. I'm talking about ball, you know, throwing it up as opposed to bouncing it down. The night grand final. This is our Indigenous game. This is our thing. This isn't played anywhere else on the planet, nor is it ever going to be. Let's be realistic. It's not going to get picked. It's just not going to happen. So why change because they play the Super Bowl? No. Why? Like, I, I, I think that... and and And... I don't want to say that with the, under the, through the prism of Mason Cox, who's worked really hard to get to a point. Like, he nearly got delisted, you know. Well, it, it's not like he just walked in like LeBron and just became his mm. god. But I, I, I do get concerned that, well, if you're tall enough, we'll find a place for you. If you can run fast enough, we can teach you to kick. I, I think there should be a certain amount of... Like, look at someone like... I'm sorry, I keep mentioning... Robert Harvey, Craig Bradley, like these guys, Greg Williams won Brownlow medals. Mm. He was never the quickest. He was tough, really tough, and he wasn't afraid of anything, but he had that football brain. Hurdy, Hurdy knew where the ball was going to go. Wayne Carey could read. I believe the term, uh, Scott, is footy smarts. (laughs) Or if you... Or if you're uh, in a if you're in a a lab that's surrounded by touch screens, it's uh, football oh, yes. IQ. Oh, sorry, yes, that's when you do your postgraduate. That's when you get uh, your degree in football IQ. <laughs> and your PhD yeah. in footy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and the the sad thing is because it's football, PhD stands for pretty hot donuts. <laughs> and... All of a sudden, Stewie Jew is first in line. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Gotta get qualified. Stewie Jew. 
Do you remember those jam donuts that they'd burn your lip? If that jam came out, you'd be fucked. <laughs> so let's talk about um, the bloodbath that was this trade period. Um, because I haven't seen Collingwood fans uh, uh, online as uh, as angry since uh, they wanted Nathan Buckley sacked about four years ago. How what, what yeah. how do you feel about what happened? The non fire sale fire sale. So the messaging was terrible. Yes, I, I heard something. Um, I think it was Craig Hutchinson who who made a really good point, which is if you're in this situation play your best club off you, off the tee. And by that he meant if you're going to have to have a message, get your best messenger out there. And Collingwood's best messenger easily is Nathan Buckley. He's really articulate. Like to your point earlier, he's really likeable now. Mm. Um, uh, and, and part of the reason is, is and I say, I say this with the utmost respect, as a Collingwood supporter, he doesn't win. So he's not threatening to other clubs, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. Like we're not going to steal a premiership off you, particularly after this period. So and everyone likes Nathan, and but instead they sent Ned Guy out, who did one interview with Fox. That Footy. was a disaster. And then and then and then did you notice they pulled all the other press? Mm. For well, the rest of the thing. I didn't know that they pulled it out of the press, but I was just like, I actually, it's funny you should mention it because I just listened to it because I read the transcript and then I was like, I must be missing something in the, in the writing. And so I, I listened to it yesterday oh, on uh, the Fox footy podcast and I'm like, Oh, this is painful. Like this sounds like a, oh, this, this sounds like good. a dude who's has had no media training. who's just gotten pushed out to face the press and like, and didn't Kingy, didn't Kingy smell the blood oh, in the water? <laughs> he had a few follow-ups. He goes, no, but seriously, I can't understand what the thinking is here. Yeah. What did he say? There was some phrase he he got he, he he stuffed up where he's talking about their 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 backsliding or something like that. Where he's talking about the fact that you finished second, fourth, and then sixth, but he, he completely fudged the terminology I of it. That. Yeah. yeah, and David King's like, like, what are you what are you trying to say? And then hearing him panic, and it was like, it's amazing knowing. Uh, my take on it is obviously. Uh, you know, whether it was Gubby Allen or whoever kind of like brought these players in on this money and then we're like, holy shit, like if we're going to get Dacos's younger brother and get into the draft, then we yeah. need to clear up some some cap space and get some money back in the vault. Like all they needed to say was that, you know, and send out a no-nonsense Nathan Buckley because Nathan Buckley, what's it's exactly what he's great yeah. at doing these days is cutting through all that kind of bullshit and being quite honest, like, this is not Nathan Buckley, but I remember years ago when Mick Malthouse was still your coach and he came out and said something along the lines of, well, we didn't win because we're just not good enough. And, you know, we won't be good enough until we get, you know, these kind of players. Yeah, I and that. everyone, yeah. like, went to, like, took him to task and I'm like, no, this is, this is good. Like, this is what you want. But not Hollywood people did. Right, it was there, just the press. It was media, it was media type. So I think that's the thing that's pissed Collingwood people off is, is they tried to... So, so I think Buckley had the best excuse for the mop-up on the interview with Waitley the other morning where he said, listen, at the end of the day, we couldn't really give up our bargaining position. So we didn't really want to be saying we're fucked. We've got all these back-ended deals and we're trying to clear room. He couldn't... That, you know, I, I felt that was a slight... May, like, but barely a pass mark for that. Yeah. The... And, and, what a, and so what a, what a my, thing. my attitude is if you're going to lie, yeah. 
throw throw some per- say to go to the guy who's third in line in the list management and go, hey Charlie, we hate to put you in this position. There's a firing squad out there. There's a firing squad out there. What we're going to do is we're going to say that you're in charge. You are you are the architect of all these deals. It's blown up in your face. We don't know what we're going to do with you, but here's what we have to do to clean up your mess. Um, so is this your media strategy? This is my media strategy. <laughs> and and then you go, oh, shit, I don't know about that. Because, well, fuck, mate, it's better than going, yeah, but she was going to move to Queensland. Yeah. Like throwing a guy's wife, yeah. like, not only that. The only reason the only reason you use a star player's wife is to give her a job for $150,000 at the social club so you can funnel more money to the star player. That's the only re- you don't I, I was I was really upset with that. That was, that well, was I think hor- the horrible. worst part was and Bucks did this in his earlier interviews was actually throwing the leadership group under the bus. <laughs> saying that they don't want you back. <laughs> They don't think you, that you're not open enough in the honesty sessions. They don't want you back. And then. Not open enough. Mate, he's been on tears in 360 every week for the last two years. But it's so kind of crazy to like, you know, just keep the players out of it. Because in the end, like these are the guys, these are your future free agents. Do you think they're going to want to stick around if they know that the club's going to stab him in the back? That's. It's also, it's also a bit of an advertisement for the club. Like I think Trelaw seems like a nice enough kind of a guy and I if I'm so here's the other theory that's floating around Collingwood Twitter is we had to clear room because Petrarca's coming and is that on did you pull that for is that from is that from Bigfooty that sounds like a Bigfooty rumor no it's from it's from one of the one of the myriad Collingwood WhatsApp chats um I would say Collingwood Nuffy, but as one, I kind of find I it actually, as a little side note, I actually had lunch next to Christian Petrarca about three weeks ago and noticed he has a tattoo of a sneaker on his calf. What kind of sneaker? Wait, let, let me guess. M- I couldn't get close <laughs> enough. <laughs> it did, yeah, it did. It looked like, I think, pretty sure it was yeah, a Nike. Yeah. yeah. Um, is he a big guy? How tall is he? Oh, he looks like he's 6'3", but he's solid. He looks like your old school cinnamon, just like a big... So him and Tagoe could do some trouble over the next kind of fight. Well, that's what I I guess, you know, the happiest player out of all of this would be Tagoe because, you know, clearly they're going to have some uh, money to spend. So when does his contract comes up at the end of next year, right? He's just re-signed for a couple. Oh, he's just re-signed, has he? Yeah, yeah, him and Darcy. Yeah, because him and Darcy were in the 2014 draft together. Right. But I think we got Darcy through a father-son. But. Yeah. Well, at least uh, – well, I guess what happen- depends what happens with Dacos. Like, you're going to have to renegotiate his contract in the next couple of years as well. I mean, it seems like Collingwood just went on a bit of a – like, what are those supermarket sweeps where you just run in and you'll oh, grab one of those and one of those and one of those and one of those and just throw on money about and then, like, holy shit, all these back-ended deals. We need to get rid of some people. If, but had, had they – and I think this was something that um, – I, yeah, I think this was another thing that, that Hutchinson had said, which I tend to agree with as well, which is if Collingwood had just said, hey, we're going to do this because we think we're going to win the flag, this would be a much less bitter pill for us to swallow now yeah. rather than this, oh, mate, we don't know if he's going to be able to handle it with his missus up there. And you know what? Tom Phillips wasn't much good anyway. And, uh, you know, we don't think that, you know, Jaden's got what it takes. It's like, well, if 
So if that's what you think, why are you paying these guys five, six hundred grand a year and Trelaw nine hundred? Mm. I don't I don't know. It's I think it was just an example of messaging. And this idea, like Colin, that's Collingwood's problem the whole time. Like this like, we just don't message anything properly. And we've you know, like any scandal is Collingwood. All every gambling problem in the AFL's been Collingwood. Have you noticed yeah. that? Yeah. I mean, well, again, is it that or is it... Actually, delete this. I love this club. <laughs> delete it. <laughs> or, or is it that or what you were saying before where it wouldn't be a story if it wasn't Collingwood? I'm sure these problems all exist at other clubs, but, like, is anyone going to yeah. care? I mean, no, nine but... players on the for the Gold Coast went on a cocaine golfing trip and, you know, like, <laughs> it was barely a blip because it was the Gold Coast. problem is is they would have been one of 10 cocaine golf uh groups on that course on the gold coast on that I, just day. Got, I just got back from the gold coast actually just spent uh, a weekend there and i was walking around going i'm actually surprised that more players aren't nominating the gold coast to play for because this seems to have everything a young afl footballer would want there's beaches there's yeah. babes there's nightclubs with drink cards like it, yeah. it, this could yeah. be like a paradise. I don't understand. Yeah, punch up, should you want it? Want it? At any, any time of the day or night, someone will be mates with bikers and like the whole thing. And yeah. now bloody Chris Hemsworth's up there. You can have some sled mates. It's got everything. <laughs> imagine, imagine Hemsworth just hanging out with Izzy Rankin. <laughs> what are they talking about? What's that conversation? Well, you probably like? missed it, but at the start of last year, there was, um, uh, it was Swans versus Bulldogs was the opening game. And it was just after uh, Eddie had been, had been renamed to Marvel Stadium. And so Chris Hemsworth was there in the Superbox with Gil McLaughlin and Matt Damon. And so the camera kept cutting from the action on the ground to the Superbox with uh, Chris and I assume his mates and Matt Damon just getting increasingly more shit-faced watching the football. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> they're, always, they're always so underdressed. Yeah. They're all like, no one day. tells them. And poor Gil's there with like, poor Gil's there obviously showing up with the tie. Okay, we're going to get the tie off and we're going to be on telly. Like, ties off, white shirt, open I'm collar. I'm pretty sure I saw Chris Hensworth explaining the deliberate rule to Matt Damon. <laughs> and Matt Damon's like, what? There's, what court of law would ever accept this as a result? Dules, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. I've just got some quick questions we can whip through before we finish up. So, um, can you tell me what has been your happiest memory to do with the Collingwood Football Club? Um, after the, this isn't a quick answer. Okay, that's all right. It doesn't have to be a quick answer. I, I, I will ask the questions like, quickly, but you can take your time with the answers. After the 2010 replay, I was a couple of, one of my mates, Heredia Lumumba, had played in the grand final. And he texted me and he goes, come here to this bar. We're all going to be there. We want to, the, the boys, a few of the boys want to buy you a drink. Let's do it. This is your premiership duels. Is that what he said? <laughs> said in, a, in a manner of speaking. <laughs> so I show up and the doorman, this was, this was back when I was on TV and doing stuff. The doorman goes, hey, how you doing? I go, G'day, mate. Can I come in? I'll wait for the guys. And there's like a few people in there. He goes, mate, I can't let you in. He goes, I know who you are. He goes, I don't care. Even if Eddie doesn't have one of these wristbands, you can't get in without a wristband. 
And this guy next to me goes, he's having a, having a cigarette. He goes, oh, mate, they've given you the same thing. And I went, yeah, yeah, hey, you know, I'm Scott. And I shook his hand. He goes, I um, can't remember what his first name was, but it was Ben Johnson's dad. Right. So we end up having a smoke. So I, I'm texting H and I'm like, mate, I can't get in. I'm going to F off. I'll meet you guys at Tramp or whatever we're doing later. I'll see you later. He goes, no, 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 mate, I've got you. So he, the bus shows up. And it was like something, you know, when you see those like um, UK rom-coms, like when all of a sudden the, there's no one on the footpath, but then the bus for the pop stars shows up and then all the paparazzi and stuff arrive just out of nowhere. It's, it was a bit like that. Like all these people started crowding around. I'm trying to find, hey, 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 where are you? How ready are you? He goes, he's, and then he jumps on the bus. He goes, does anyone have a spare wristband? We need a wristband. We need a wristband. He, no one's got a wristband. So I'm fucked. I'm stuck out literally in the cold. He goes, actually, just wait. Just take this. So he gives me the premiership cup. No way. And I walk in. That was my, that was, no one's stopping the cup. Wow. So I walk in. Everyone's kind of gone in. We've got the cup. And I walk in holding the premiership cup. And as I walk into this bar, everyone starts clapping. And I kind of look around and I just hold it. <laughs> and, like, <"Yeah!" laughs> and that was my favorite comment. Oh, that's incredible. All right, let's uh, change the tone. Tell me what has been your most crushing <laughs> memory of being a Collingwood supporter? Um, 2018, does that come close? Yeah, that, do you know what? Probably not because there was, you know, like I was saying before, there was that perspective of, you know, it's not like I found out Collingwood lost and then Buckley had cancer. Yeah, yeah. Two grand final, and oh, actually, you know what? The twenty, the twenty nineteen prelim against oh, GWS. Yeah. Collingwood should have won that game. That were yeah, that should have been a win. But yeah, I mean, you know, fuck, we don't play. <laughs> it's not that. It's fun. <laughs> still, still got pissed. <laughs> and my final question is: if, and this is incredibly unlikely, but if the Collingwood Football Club were to fold. Do you think you continue continue following football just with another club? Yeah, yeah. I reckon I'd break for Sydney. Really? Mm. I just love it. It's, you know, I, <clears throat> this is the one thing that living over here has given me is this perspective of, and this is why I'm so keen on what you were saying before of like, this is such a weird game. I don't think we truly appreciate it as people. It is so weird. It is so us. It's the platypus of sport. It could only exist in Australia. This game could never be invented by anyone else anywhere on the planet. It just couldn't. It's ours. So I, I, to, to turn your back on that is, you know, turning your back on your country. It's, oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's fantastic. I can't, I just love it. Yeah. I mean, There's so many reasons. The actual nuts and bolts of it are kind of neither here nor there, but it's ours. I've spent many nights this year watching Liam Ryan highlights on YouTube, which kind of tells me that uh, yeah, 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 if, yeah. If the Saints went under, I'd probably find another club as well. Who would you uh, barrack for? Do you reckon? I don't know. I don't know. I I I, th I think I would probably. I'm drawn to the underdog. 
I don't think I'd jump on the back of a Hawthorne or a, or a Richmond or anything like that. Prior to 2017, I probably would have said Richmond because I've always kind of had a soft spot for Richmond. But I don't know. Maybe I'd go for one of the expansion teams. You know, maybe it'd be like GWS or Gold Coast or something like Gold that. Coast would be, but I think Gold Coast is going to be fun over the next 10 years. <laughs> yeah. They're going to be a good fun ride. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Scott, thanks so much for being on the show. Um, stay safe over there. And uh, I don't know. I never know how to sign this thing off. So I'll just say, see you later. Cheers. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. We are two guys, one car.